Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week six is upon us. How you doing? You ready? I'm good. I'm tired. Long week. Uh, I will say that Miami is lucky this week because there's nobody on the schedule to lose to. <laughs> the real winners of week six is the, yes. uh, the team and particularly the coach that doesn't have to uh, see a a win-loss result, we'll say. Yeah, I mean, he can't he can't get fired off of a loss this week, so he's got that going for him. And fans don't have to drink their sorrows away. So the real winner, I don't know, Manny Diaz, the players, the, the fans, I don't know who the real winner is. Mike, as we record this Wednesday night, just have faith. Manny Diaz is going to sleep great tonight, knowing that if he was getting fired this week, it would have already happened by now, so he's good. Yeah, very true. Yeah, he made it another week, so good for him. <laughs> Uh, we do have a slate of games here to preview, Mike. We have five ACC, team, ACC games uh, featuring nine ACC teams in action this weekend. Um, several bye weeks going, Miami, of course, being one of them. Um, but it is a, a bit of a lighter week, but it is very heavy on ACC versus ACC action. So looking forward to previewing some of these games. Uh, as we get into that, wanted to start by recapping our Van Gorder coin balances, Mike. Uh, so as the people know, we started the season with 500 Van Gorder coin each. and We've been wagering on spreads, totals, and even a couple of money lines throughout the season, kind of as a way to just really just wanted to be able to emphasize and kind of differentiate. Like we make picks on the spreads and the totals for all these games, but there's some of those that we like actually feel good about and, and really believe in versus others that it's like, if I have to pick something, you know, quote unquote, gun to your head type stuff, um, you know, so trying to differentiate those. All that said, Mike, we started with 500. Uh, you yes. are down to 480.75. You were up about 15 Van Gorder coin last week. I am down to 413.80, and I was up 35.50 last week. So uh, good week for me, but you are still in the lead. How are you feeling about your lead of, what is this, like 65 Van Gorder coin, roughly? Yeah, I mean, me me losing about $20 worth of Van Gorder coin is basically how my college football betting has gone so far this season. Some weeks better than others, all in all, down like 15 bucks. Well, lucky you, Mike, because my balance of 415 Van Gorder coin is also pretty representative of how things have gone for the old, uh, <laughs> the old checkbook this season so far. So let's see if we can... R.I.P. Uh, Let's see if we can redeem ourselves here. I got a kid yep. I got to send to college one day. So we'll, we'll see if we can get there. Yep. Yep. I, I'll, I'll have one eventually. I'm sure. Mike, let's get into these games. Uh, we've got spreads and totals. And, Mike, they're all brought to us once again by BetUS.com. 
is America's favorite sports book. They've been in business for over 30 years, Mike. You can go there. You can bet on college football, all sorts of things. They've got, again, spreads, totals, team totals, alternate lines, prop bets, all sorts of things you can go check out there. They've also got betting on the NFL. Uh, the MLB playoffs now in session. We've got NBA games starting up here soon, I'm told. Uh, even things like politics, world events, like any of those things, you can go bet on all of it at BetUS.com. And Mike, when you go to bet on BetUS.com, use promo code GOACC when you sign up for a 125% bonus on your first deposit of at least $100 at BetUS.com. Once again, that's GOACC at sign up. And at your first deposit, you'll get a 125% bonus on a deposit of at least $100. Go check those out. Mike, only one place we could start this weekend, and it's your two favorite teams squaring off. The number 14, Notre Dame Fighting Irish on the road in Blacksburg, taking on your Virginia Tech Hokies. This game's a pick 'em, Mike. It is, uh, there, there is no spread here. It's just who, do you, who, who wins? That's, that's the choice. Uh, total is 47. This game is, of course, at 7.30 p.m. on the nationally broadcast, roughly, ACC Network. Um, <laughs> I don't know how this didn't get, like, ABC treatment or whatever this weekend, but, hey, that's a discussion for another day. Mike, a, a, a ranked top 15 Notre Dame is on the road against an unranked Virginia Tech team that's been kind of up and down, kind of meh at times this year, and the game's a pick em. How are you feeling about your yep. Hokies' chances here? A little weird, huh? It is a little, a little weird. weird. Lines uh, that make you go, huh? Yes. Joey, before we continue, uh, I have to ask, do you have the button ready? Do I have the button ready? I, I'm glad you asked, Mike, because yes, I do. Oh, good. Uh, under 47, lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Locking them up right out the gate. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta, gotta lock up the under. Joey, I have no idea who's going to win this game. I don't have a clue. <laughs> uh, but what I can tell you, and this is courtesy of Katie Pondis Pondicio. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. She's from Barstool Sports. You're probably not pronouncing that right. I just had to. If probably I not. I think Pondicio. I think that's right. Virginia Tech's last six games have gone under, and Virginia Tech's last six home games have gone under as well. That's good. Trend. Game's going under. Going under. Notre Dame's got a bad offense. Virginia Tech's got a bad offense. This game's going under. It's got to go under. Weather's going to be crappy in Blacksburg. They're calling for at least a little bit of rain. We'll see. Uh, you know, the forecast keeps changing. It is Blacksburg, so you never actually know what the weather's going to be. Mm -hmm. um, Notre Dame has the 124th ranked rushing offense in college football. Virginia Tech has the 112th ranked total offense in college football. And both defenses are pretty good. I mean, this game has to go under. Conventional wisdom would tell you. And I mean, in a game of two bad offenses and a total that's approaching 50, I'm more than happy to take the under here and lock it up with some confidence. We're going to put 20 Van Gorder coin on that. Now, for the actual matchup itself, we don't know who Notre Dame's quarterback is going to be in this game. Drew Pine came into the game against Cincinnati last week uh, in the second half. I think he finished like 9-21. to His stats didn't look particularly good. But if you were watching the game, you saw the way that the offense moved with him in the lineup versus Jack Cohn. Notre Dame right now, with the addition of Drew Pine at quarterback, uh, there's a little bit of athleticism at the position that they are just lacking with Jack Cohn, right? And when you add Pine into the mix, I think that's important because Notre Dame has not been able to run the football this year. The offensive line, which traditionally sends 
at least one or two linemen, it seems like almost annually to the NFL. Really, it's like a top 10 pick every other year, basically, um, has been very bad. Like they have had a very bad offensive line at Notre Dame this year. Um, Cone is getting sacked or Cone, Pine, whoever the quarterback is, is getting sacked a ton. Uh, they can't run the ball. They have one of the best running backs in college football, in my opinion, at least a top five or six guy in the country in Kyron Williams, and they can't get him going. They have a home run hitter at running back in Chris Tyree. They can't get him going. Joey, you'll remember the Wisconsin game a couple weeks ago. The only reason why Notre Dame pulled away and scored 31 fourth quarter points is because Chris Tyree ran a kickback for a touchdown, and they had two defensive touchdowns. Uh, Drew Pine also threw a touchdown pass because he came in when Jack Cohn got hurt in that game. Notre Dame's offense, by and large, has not been very good this year. Um, when Cohn's been in as the starter, Cohn's stats have actually been pretty good. The Cincinnati game wasn't great, not his best performance. He got benched and Pine came in. But when Cohn's been playing, he's been healthy. He's been pretty good. It's been everything else that's been the issue, the offensive line, the running game, et cetera. And then for Virginia Tech, we know what the offense is. It's, an er- it's inherently limited with Braxton Burmeister, with the issues they've had shuffling. They've had some injuries on the offensive line. They're shuffling guys in and out. The running game doesn't have Khalil Herbert anymore. Um, Virginia Tech's offensive coordinator, Brad Cornelson, is stuck trying to pick between running designed plays for Braxton Burmeister to get him into open space in the running game, which is something that he's very good at and quite honestly would unlock Virginia Tech's running game and would really would really help things if they would let Burmeister run on designed plays or keeping him healthy, right, and, and not having designed runs for him because they don't have a lot of depth behind him at quarterback that they're really confident, which is a recruiting issue, a transfer portal issue, et cetera. We've talked about that a million times. So what ends up happening is Cornelson's choosing between, A, we run Burmeister, and we run the risk of him getting hurt because he has a lengthy injury history. He, he gets banged up quite a bit. Or we don't do as many designed runs, and we just drastically lower the ceiling of the offense because the passing game has not been very good, Joey. Mm-mm. So that's what Brad Cornell and Virginia Tech need to decide to do. And maybe they figured that out during the off week. I'm, I'm skeptical, right? I think the offense is what it is at this point, unless they just des- decide, you know what? We're just going to Burmeister, right? We'll just, we'll just do it. And then if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. Yeah. But I, I'm interested to see what happens here. You're basically picking between Justin Fuente coming off of a bye week, which hasn't been very fruitful. It turns out, I think Virginia Tech under Fuente is one in five after a bye week. Hasn't been very good. Which is ultra weird for a guy who has a reputation for really, really having his team ready to play the first week of the season. Like, like the bye eight months is really good, but then like the right. extra bye week is just like useless. <laughs> okay, right. sure. Now, granted, after a bye week, he's drawn like good Notre Dame twice, and he's drawn Clemson. So it's like, okay, well few of those games like you go in and you don't have a prayer anyway which do, do we like, have ats numbers though do, do we have ats numbers yeah that i i don't off the top of my head uh but games a pick them so i mean we're coin flip anyway right Doesn't that's what you mattering. need to know yeah. <laughs> exactly i think i think i'm gonna go with notre dame here i think i'm going with notre dame because i trust brian kelly coming off of a loss a little bit more than i trust just uh, i don't want to say a little bit more a lot more and i trust justin fuente coming off of a bye I think that this is a pretty bad matchup for Notre Dame, truthfully. <laughs> They're going to Blacksburg. The weather's not going to be very good. A low-scoring game keeps Virginia Tech in it. Um, I, I think if you make this higher scoring, Virginia Tech's going to have trouble keeping up. Uh, but I think this is a pretty bad spot for Notre Dame. Virginia Tech's pass rush got after Sam Howell we saw in the opener. 
This Notre Dame offensive line is worse than North Carolina's, which is surprising to say. This is one of the worst offensive lines, at least out of the power five teams Virginia Tech has faced. So tough matchup for Notre Dame here. I'm just going to roll with them because they have better athletes. And I just yeah. think that yeah. Brian Kelly's a better coach. And I think in a pick em, you just roll with that. But you could just as easily say, ah, Virginia Tech's at home. Weather's going to be bad. You know, they, they beat Carolina in Lane Stadium a month ago, and nobody expected that. I could see us going either direction. I think I'm just going to go with Notre Dame and just have a lot more confidence in the total here going under. Uh, basically, everything you just said, I completely agree with. Um, and so we'll start here. Uh, Mike, you locked up the under. Let's go ahead and uh, let's just do that ourselves, too. You better lock it up. Hey, you better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Yeah, lock up that under. 47 points. That is not a super high total, but it really feels like it might be way too much for this game where, I, I mean, I don't really understand how either offense is, is going to plan on consistently moving the ball in this game. Right. I, I, I just... Notre Dame's offense has been very underwhelming. Virginia Tech's offense has been good, but very one-dimensional in a way that Notre Dame is very well-tuned to limit or eliminate. Yes, yes, agree. Like, there's not an obvious plan of attack for either of these teams in this game on offense. So this feels very much like this is going to be like a 20-13 to kind of game. And it's also a spot where if somebody gets like a defensive touchdown, uh, a kickoff return for a touchdown, a you know, a, a, a fumble recovery that goes down on like the four yard line or something to where it's a really short field. And and like, that's enough that that could determine who wins this game, because I, I don't think either team gets separation. I I completely see how and why this is a pick them. Like I I can't come up with a good reason that one team should really be favored over the other. Um, Right. They are. I, I feel like if I had to pick something, I, I probably, I, I think I'm with you. I'll take Notre Dame. I think they were like a slightly more talented version of the same team, basically. Uh, but they've had big yeah. issues on offense. As you mentioned, all the quarterback stuff, um, they haven't run the ball particularly well. They haven't thrown the ball particularly well. Like, it's just, if anything, again, slightly more talented. And like you said, if I got to pick one of these coaching staffs, give me Brian Kelly and Marcus Freeman and that Notre Dame coaching staff seven days a week and twice on Sundays. Like, yeah, the issue that Virginia tech, like 10,000 foot view here, the, the issue is that this is Notre Dame's rebuild team. Yeah. <laughs> and this is Virginia tech trying to save Puente's job. That that's, that's the overarching issue programmatically between where the two programs are at right now. Yep. Yep. So I, I'll take Notre Dame to win. I will not be shocked for a second if Virginia tech wins, like I don't know what's going to happen here. Um, it, no. it, it helps my narrative if Notre Dame wins and we can work on getting Fuente out of Blacksburg. But <laughs> other than that, you know um, yeah, I'm with you though. We're, we're locking up the under, I'm going to put 20 Van Gorder coin on the under as well. I feel very confident that this is going to be a low scoring game. So look forward to a shootout on Saturday night in Lane State. Yeah, and I, I see, I saw a lot of Virginia tech fans this week talking about how this is a must win for Fuente. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. Like, I think that the game against Pittsburgh in a week is infinitely more important than, yeah. than yeah. against Notre Dame uh, because Pitt's a team you face every year. You just got blown out by them last year uh, in a really ugly game on the road. 
if you get blown out or lose by a couple scores at home to a pit team that you face every year, it's like, okay, not only are we falling behind in the ACC, we're falling behind in the coastal. In the division, yeah. Uh, you're not feeling real good about it. I think this would really help Fuente from an optic standpoint to win this game. I just don't know if it's really like we can really truly characterize it as a must win. I think Pittsburgh's a must win for Virginia Tech. I'm not sure this Notre Dame game is. I think we're a week early on that. The interesting point that I think you bring up, and it's kind of the last thing that I, I just think is kind of an interesting thing to watch for, is the use of Braxton Burmeister in the design QB run game. And it makes me think a little bit back to the days of, uh, of Deshaun Watson and even way back to Trevor Lawrence at Clemson uh, when like, the offensive staff would, would use them in the run game, but super limited, if at all, basically during the regular season. And then as competition ramped up later, that was when they would they would it was like they were playing it as if they had a limited number of bullets to fire and right. they waited to fire them all at the end of the season in the, in the most important spots rather than you know waste them elsewhere so like this is definitely one of those spots where if, if you're usually kind of holding that back you might elect to uh to fire a few of those to see if you can you know sneak a sneak a win out of here against a ranked team yeah ag- agree like let's start emptying the chamber against teams like Notre Dame and Pittsburgh not against like Syracuse and Duke yeah um, who are Virginia Tech's following two opponents, I believe. Oh, they got Georgia Tech in there, too. Uh, Georgia Tech falls into the, I guess, falls more into the Syracuse-Duke category, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> week to week. We'll talk about them in a second. I was going to say, depending on which week, who the hell knows? So we'll, Yeah, we'll talk about them in a moment. We will get there. All right, Notre Dame and the under. Under is locked by both of us. We've both got 20 Van Gorder coin on the under. We are not really looking to touch the spread here of, of just to pick them either. Like, who, who the hell knows who wins this game? So, nah, Flip a coin with Siri. We'll see. 7.30 on the ACC Network. Go watch it. It'll be a fun game. Check it out. Uh, before that, Mike, 3 o'clock on the ACC Network, the Virginia Cavaliers, your who's, are a two-and-a-half-point oh. underdog in Louisville, Kentucky, taking on my Cardinals. Uh, total is 69-and-a-half, which is mostly nice. Um, this is an interesting spread, Mike. And, like... I tend to if I'm if I'm putting together ACC power rankings right now, I would have definitely had Louisville above Virginia, and Louisville's the home team, and then the spread is inside of a field goal. It, yeah, is it that, that's odd to me? I don't know about you. Yeah, it's a little fishy. I mean, Louisville's offense has been pretty good. The defense is coming along. Virginia's offense has been pretty good. The defense is not coming along. No, <laughs> and they're on the road. I mean, I don't get it. I, uh, I, I like I like Louisville here. I I can't lock it up because I, the spread is the spread stinks here. We'll like stinky. the line is close. I don't get it. Yeah, it's a stinky line. Uh, I tend to lean. I, I think I lean under sixty nine and a half. It's a lot of points, and I think that both teams are certainly capable of scoring plenty of points but when i consider virginia's red zone issues they've had um louisville's tendency to turn the ball over themselves now cunningham hasn't he's been pretty good at taking care of the football so far this year but you know there's some skeletons in his closet so to speak with the the way he's capable of turning the ball over mm-hmm. i think this stays under under 69 and a half I'm, I'm not you know totally confident in that but uh I think Louisville wins here, and I just don't really get the line. I don't get the line. I, I think Louisville's a better team. They're at home. They're a more complete team than Virginia, in my opinion. Virginia's awesome. 
uh, like offensively. They are just and and at, don't clip it. Don't you, the dare, don't you dare clip that. J- just after the Virginia is awesome because hmm. I oh, yeah I saw you, the wheels turning there. Don't you dare clip that. But I will say the offense is really really good uh, at passing the ball. At passing the ball. At running the ball, not so much. And the defense has been horrible. So I'm just totally – but it's weird, too, because, like, if you look at it on a possession-by-possession possession basis um, over the course of the, the second half of – who did Virginia play two weeks ago? Escape me. Hang on. We'll come up with it. This is good podcasting. Here it comes. Here it comes. You ready? You ready? It was Wake Forest. Thank you. They played better in the second half of the Wake Forest game, UVA did defensively, and then played pretty well against Miami, which I don't know what you take out of that, right? Uh, But then Virginia got a little bit loose defensively in the second half, and Miami had a ton of offensive success again. So it's like it's kind of Jekyll and Hyde with this Virginia defense, even when they are playing well and can string together consecutive stops. So, yeah, I'm just rolling with Louisville. I'm rolling with Louisville. I'll take the under. I'll put a uh, 10 Van Gorder coin on Louisville. I'm going to make that a, a pick here, but I can't lock it up as like a can't miss bet this week by any stretch. I'm kind of with you again. The, the line stinks here, uh, but I, I do feel like Louisville is the more complete team. Like as I think about Virginia at this point, what we've seen to this point in the season, there's kind of that one thing that they do really well. And it's been past the ball on offense. They don't run the ball particularly well on offense, and the defense has has had moments, but they've also had a lot of moments where they, they give up big plays and chunk yardage and, and that kind of thing. And I think it's easy to fall into the trap a little bit of like, well, look what they did for a lot of the game last week against Miami. It's like, okay, well, Miami has their own issues on offense that Virginia didn't need to help them with. So, you know, I don't I don't take too much away from that. So it's... I don't know. It's interesting. I, I I feel like I've felt pretty good about what I've seen from Louisville and from Malik Cunningham in particular over the last maybe two, three weeks. I feel like that defense for Louisville is slowly, quietly starting to gel a little bit. Yep, um, agree. They're still giving up points, but like you're seeing them have a drive here or there that it's like absolute shutdown stuff that you didn't see last year. Um you know, didn't see the year before. So I think we're seeing good signs of development there. And I think Scott Satterfield, and the way this team has been playing, I mean, it's, 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 things are going a lot better there for him now than they were like a month ago. So it just, I get, there's a, there's a stat I started tracking Mike and, and I don't know if you've heard of this one. It's, it's called vibes. And I think the vibes right now in Louisville are pretty good. <laughs> Immaculate, even. Yeah, it's a scientific thing here. Um, the vibes in Virginia are, are fine. They, they're coming off the win over Miami. Like, that's a good thing on the road, all that stuff. It just a second road trip here against a Louisville team, I think, that's playing well. The line is very stinky, but I just think there's more to like about Louisville. And I'm going to take the cards here. And I, I, I agree with you. Give me, uh, let's try to make up some ground on Mike and or just bury ourselves. Uh, let's go 15 Van Gorder coin on Louisville. Okay, there you go. The vibes, the vibes at UVA are very Bronco. <laughs> yeah, if you will. It's just, it is kind of nuts to me watching, like, with what that team has been, like the the kind of teams that he's built in the past. Like, isn't it kind of odd that we're in year six or whatever of Bronco and 
the defense has so many holes in it and the run game is as underwhelming as it is. Like, that's odd to me. Yeah, it is. But UVA has been so bad at football over the last 20 years that they are more than happy to just kind of be a bowl team under Bronco. And uh, yeah, I don't blame I think them. That's great. I don't blame them. I mean, turn them around. Yeah, that's fair enough. All right, Louisville, and, and I'll take the over, by the way. Total, okay. total is 69 and a half. That's, that's kind of a lot of points, but I think they're going to get there. Okay. I think this gets All a right. little shootouty. Um, could be like a 45-35 kind of thing, which is it's only a half point over, but it gets I wouldn't shock me. Or no, that's 10 points over. So, yeah. So, shootouty. I'll take Louisville in the over. You got Louisville in the under. I've got 15. Van Gorder coin on Louisville to cover two and a half. You have 10 on Louisville to cover two and a half. Go cards. We agree. Agree we, mostly. We agree for the most part. Yep. Yeah. Mike, this next preview brought to you by Section103.com. Uh, yep. I love my Section103.com gear. Do you? I'm wearing a shirt from Section103 right now. You are. Is it comfy? It's very comfy. Soft? I'm going to wear it to sleep tonight. Looks great. Does look great. Even with the I mean, Georgia Tech except, logo on it. That's what I was going to say. Said. Except, he loves except that Georgia that Tech part. Shirt. Yeah, except, hey, I mean, I'm more than happy to wear the shirt of a program that, you know, has shirts created by Section103.com that helps us pay the bills. So, what you know, what are we going to do? Absolutely. Mike, Section103.com is where you can go for Georgia Tech apparel that has official word marks. It's got the ATL logo you can get. You can get official tech gold. All of these things are things that are really hard to find elsewhere with Georgia Tech Apparel. And nobody's ever really sure why. We've got our suspicions. But Section103.com is, is the place to go to get those things. You can go find all of that there. That ATL logo actually was designed by Steven over at Section103.com. So you can get official stuff there. Uh, they've got T-shirts. They've got sweatshirts. They've got hoodies. Uh, they've got stuff for men. They just added some new things, actually, for women and children. They already had they already had things before, but they added more recently. Um, and it, it sounds like Mike, there is actually additional new things coming very soon. Um, oh. I I have I think three T-shirts and a hoodie, and by that I mean I have two T-shirts and then another T-shirt and a hoodie that my wife has hijacked because they're so soft and nice. Um, they're really good quality stuff. They look great. I've got more shirts now on the way and, and another sweatshirt. So I cannot say enough good things. I, I would not be endorsing them this way if, if I did not believe in that product. Um, Mike, the people can go to section103.com and use promo code GOACC for 10% off their first order. The other thing that I, I think is worth noting here, Mike, is that there's been a little bit of a trend so far this season surrounding Section 103 where and people posting pictures of themselves wearing it on Twitter and then Georgia Tech playing well. Um, they call it Section 103 Magic, Mike. And yes. Is is that a ripoff of another former sponsor of ours? It may be. It may be, but that former sponsor of ours does not have Georgia Tech wear, so until they do, it's Section 103 Magic for Georgia Tech fans on Saturdays. Yeah, or it could be a ripoff of Orioles Magic, which, <laughs> I mean, nowadays is just losing you know 110 games or more. I get a good draft pick, though. That's magic. That's magic. That is magic. It'll be magic when Steven creates his Virginia Tech line. Looking forward to that. Can't wait. GoACC is the promo code for 10% off your first order at section103.com for all sorts of the very best apparel uh, supporting Georgia Tech that money can buy on the internet. So go check them out there. 
Go support them. Support us. Thank you to Steven and the gang for fantastic partnership and fantastic products. Mike, 12.30 on ESPN3. My Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets are a four-point road favorite in Durham, taking on the Duke Blue Devils. Total is 60.5. Is there anything about this game you want to lock up? Under. Lock it up. Whoa. You better lock it up. up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. I I meant to, like, ask that sarcastically. I didn't think you (laughs) I didn't think you were going to go for it. Lock it. We're locking up totals this week. Uh, I'm on Georgia Tech here. I, I just... They they can't turn into terrible performances in a row, can they? <laughs> well, we have good data that says they can barely turn into good performances in a row. It was kind of rhetorical, you know? <laughs> it's kind of rhetorical. I mean... I don't try. I mean, look, I don't. It's pretty clear I don't trust Jeff Collins. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think anybody can at this point. And, you know, some weeks it looks great, other weeks it looks not great. He hasn't earned I, your trust or anybody's. No. Now, Duke's got a little something. You know, I mean, Mateo Durant's really good. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance that Mateo Durant, well, it depends on what you think of, of Jameer Gibbs, of course. But Mateo Durant has the opportunity to be the best player on the field on Saturday. There, you know, there's a case to be made there. Really good running back. Gunnar Holmberg has actually been pretty decent at quarterback for Duke. He's been hanging in there. He's been taking care of the football, uh, doing what he can in the passing game. I just think that Georgia Tech's team is better. Now, whether or not they are coached as well as David Cutcliffe coaches Duke, remains to be seen. I've actually been pretty pleasantly surprised by what I've seen out of Duke. I think my under three and a half win total bet is probably pretty dead on the brink. Yeah. I mean, they're at three now. And if they win this game, that, that bet is dead officially. And with coastal chaos, I assume that Duke will get at least one conference win. So that, that bet is on life support. Uh, yeah, but I'm on, I'm on Georgia tech. I'm locking up the under, I'll put a uh, 20 on the under. I just think that, both teams offensively, well, they are capable of scoring some points. I just think this game, I, I think the defenses are still like good enough to slow down the strengths of the other. And I just have a hard time seeing this thing getting in the 60s. Uh, it's going to be one of those rock'em, sock'em, 12.30 Eastern time games in the ACC in front of a very like non-hostile crowd in Durham of like 15 people. It's like, I just anti-hostile. Yeah. Like the opposite of hostile. (laughs) So I think Georgia tech wins because I think they're the better team. I think Duke keeps it within 10. I'll take Georgia tech to, to win and cover. uh, But I will take the under in this game with some confidence. I, I think this stays under the total of 60 and a half. I just I, like I, I Georgia Tech is talented enough and and by all means especially with the way that they played their the previous 3 weeks before Pittsburgh like they, they beat UNC by 22 points and then the week after UNC turns around and beats Duke by 31 points. So the the transitive property says Georgia Tech's about 50 points better than Duke. <laughs> However, I, I don't know that I can trust the coaching staff on any given week, as we talked about with the Pitts game. I was going to say the transitive property is not coached by Jeff Collins. No, so. no, no. Jeff Collins cannot be explained by math or logic sometimes. Yeah, like, that's like, correct. I just so it's like if 
if I felt really good that Georgia Tech was going to come in here and play a good game for four quarters, um, they were going to avoid mistakes. And, and they were going to have a, a sensical game plan that was executed well. And I'm not, they don't have to be mistake free or, or, or flawless with this, but just, just blatantly like what they're going to do makes sense and they're going to execute it relatively well. And we're going to feel good about how they played afterwards. Yeah. They're going to win this game by two touchdowns or more. Like they are better than Duke. They can be better than Duke, but I, what is Georgia tech on any given week at this point? I don't know. Nobody knows. Like it's just when you think they're going to be consistent, they're inconsistent again. So it's just, it's, it's frustrating here. I, I, I want to. I, I there's part of me that wants to pick Duke, just for the sake of like, you know, let me be happy one way or the other. <laughs> it's like if Duke if Duke wins, then at least I was right with my pick on the podcast. Um, Talk about an emotional hedge. I I don't think you can bet anything on this game one way or the other, even the total. Because like if if Georgia Tech comes out and plays you know plays their thing and does it well, they could get the better part of the way to that total by themselves. Like Georgia Tech has the talent and they're good enough to score forty in this game, and they're also glitchy enough on defense to give up twenty one points or something to a well coached Duke team, and they can get past that. Like sixty and a half is it's a little bit of a big number, but like I I don't know, I don't know. Couldn't be me. I mean, couldn't be me picking the over here. <laughs> couldn't be me. Definitely not. Um. Oh uh, yeah yeah yeah. Uh, just agree with me. Georgia Tech and the can, under. Fine. Okay, there we go. We can just move on to more exciting games. I hate this. Please do not. I really would not recommend putting money on this game one way or the other. It could it could go literally any direction. Like, either of these teams could probably win this game by 20 points. Yeah, I agree with what Joey said, except bet the under if you want to make some money. <laughs> All right. Well, have fun with that, Mike. Um, I better be right. Yeah. Yeah, Georgia Tech and the under for both of us. You've got the under locked up with 20 Van Gorder coin. We will see how all of that goes. Uh, Mike, moving on. 3.30 p.m. on ESPN2. The number 19 Wake Forest Steeman Deeks climb in the rankings. They are a six-point favorite on the road in the Carrier Dome, taking on the Syracuse Orange. Total is 57. Mike, I want to start here with just a brief note on Wake Forest. and I thought this was a really interesting point. Um, I was listening to another show this week, and they were talking about it was Bud Elliott, formerly of, of SB Nation, now of CBS Sports. He made the comment, and he's an, he's a Florida State guy, so he's a big ACC guy through and through. He made the point that he considers Wake Forest to be the canary in the coal mine of the ACC. And what he means by that is that the years where Wake Forest jumps up and is like one of the three or four best teams in the conference, and they get ranked and they win a lot of games that's an indicator to you that the ACC is not all that good. Is that a fair analysis in your mind? Uh, from a pure, like team talent standpoint, probably, <laughs> but from like a coachability standpoint and like how well and consistently the team performs week to week, I don't think it's a fair statement. I mean, I think Wake Forest has been one of the more consistent programs in the conference over the last, you know, three or four years at the very least. And, uh, you know, a, a big reason why is because Dave Clawson always has Wake Forest well coached. Now, to Bud's point, Wake Forest has a very defined 
ceiling mm-hmm. in years that the ACC is good because they play in the Atlantic. They got to play NC State if NC State's good. They got to play Florida State if Florida State's good. They got to play Clemson if Clemson's good. And Clemson's still, I mean, Clemson's got their issues, but relatively speaking, Clemson's still good. I mean, they're good. They're fine. In, in like, most years, Wake will never be more than like the fourth t- most talented team in that division. Right. So the fact that – and Louisville, I, I, I always forget Louisville in the Atlantic. But like Louisville is always going to be more talented than Wake Forest too. Fifth most talented team in their division. Right. So like point being, you know, for Wake Forest to win 10 or 11 games, it's not because of their talent being better than everybody else's. It's because of the talent of other teams failing them. Mm-hmm. And Wake Forest talent just being consistent like it always is, and they're winning games they don't usually win because other teams are down. So, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree. I think it's a little bit of an unfair statement just because I think Wake Forest is pretty well coached, which I, I don't think that's what Bud was saying. I think he's just saying purely from a talent of the roster standpoint. And I, I did listen to that episode of Cover 3, by the way. So I'm... Well versed, yeah. Well, I just thought it was it, it was interesting, and it it, it was something that I kind of subconsciously knew, but had never it had never really been like pointed out or or put that way. But I think it's a really good way of looking at it, and and I think really truly like it's 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 more a testament to I I think Wake Forest is actually maybe one of the most consistent consistently performing teams in the country. Yes. Now, the, again, the ceiling relative, you know, of relative quality and that kind of thing, like it's actually kind of low. Right. But when other teams, you know, when, when, when some of the other boats start to sink a little bit, Wake Forest does not sink and they are there and ready to take advantage. And especially in a year where maybe they have a bunch of extra juniors and seniors and it's a bunch of 22 and 23 year olds that have been in the system for for three, four, five years, and they're, you know, not the most talented, but they're very well coached. They're more physically mature than maybe some of the guys they play against. Like, yep. they are well positioned to take advantage when they get the chance. So, agree. not totally a knock. It's more just kind of a, again, it's it's, it's a, a measuring stick. I think that's, it's kind of interesting. Um, but credit, again, to to Wake Forest and to, to Dave Clawson for having them in position to be that team this year and the other years that it happens. Mike wakes a six-point favorite on the road in the Carrier Dome. This line stinks. Yeah, it does. I mean, weird things happen in the Carrier Dome, but I like Wake here. Like, offense is better, defense is better. Garrett Schrader can't throw the football for Syracuse. No, so what are what are what are we doing here exactly? Yeah, that that Syracuse offense, like it's it's starting to work kind of, but it's also like a very one-dimensional, like one-trick pony kind of thing where. Yeah, if they run Garrett, the ball well. Yeah, if Garrett Schrader and, and Sean Tucker can't get the ball moving on the ground, I, I don't know what plan B is. They, there is none. Yeah, I mean, Garrett Schrader's coming off with the best game of his career, at least his best game at Syracuse last week, where he had basically 150 yards rushing, 150 yards passing, something like that off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, Schrader outgained Sean Tucker on the ground. Sean Tucker's been really good for Syracuse running football this year. I mean – to Syracuse's credit, they have developed kind of an offensive identity. Maybe they drag down Wake Forest here, right? Maybe they just kind of drag them down to their level and, like, you know, Wake's on the road and just kind of ugly it up a little bit, and that's the way they keep it close. But 
six points doesn't feel like enough. And I just think Wake Forest is a much better team here. So I, I think Wake wins. I think Syracuse keeping it close. The only reason why I could see it happening is because the line stinks. Other than that, I don't I don't see it, but you know, from a pure talent standpoint and just the fact that weird things happen at the Carrier Dome. I mean, other than that, I, I just can't see it. I'll give Syracuse credit. I mean, I, I think at this point in the season, they are better than I expected them to be. Definitely. You know, they they were more competitive against Rutgers than I thought they'd be. They beat Ohio when I kind of didn't think they would. Um, they they hung right there with Florida State. And for, for all of Florida State's issues, they're much more talented than Syracuse is and all that. But this is, I mean, this is by far, this is going to be the best, you know, by leaps and bounds, better team uh, that they've, they've, I don't know, the grammar here doesn't really work. This is going to be the best team that they've played this year, and it's not close. Um, right. Keep in mind that, right. that Florida State team that they lost to by three last week, they lost by three touchdowns to Wake a couple weeks ago. Like, yeah. put it that way. Um, yep. They are the home team, and that's good. I just... This feels kind of like the year that Wake is going to go like ten and two or something like that, and they might actually find a way to win the Atlantic. And um, I, I, I don't want to get in the way of that train, whatever whatever level or size of train Wake Forest is at this point. Um, they they're going to lose a game somewhere, I think. I just really don't think it's this one. If it's this one, that would be pretty disappointing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so give me Wake. I, I think they win this game by at least a touchdown, so I'll, I'll take them to cover. Uh, 57, I, I don't um, I don't know, over? I, I don't feel strongly about that either. I don't either. Uh, I'll go under. I'll be contrarian. Sure. I don't, I don't know, dude. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I have yeah. no idea on the total. Like, Syracuse probably won't score a lot, but you know Wake might not either. If Syracuse drags it down, I, I just I don't know. If you if you like put a gun to my head and and made me wager something on this game, I, I don't hate going over thirty one and a half on the team total with Wake, or maybe under twenty four and a half with the Syracuse team total. I think I like that under better than than the Wake Forest over. Yeah, I kind of think so too. I think I agree. I'm I'm kind of reading these things and processing them in real time, and yeah, I think under 24 and a half is probably the thing to do. Um, and you can get that at minus 105 right now at BetUS for what that's worth. So, not the worst. Not the worst. Yeah, I don't know. Wake Forest in the over for me. Wake in the under for you. I don't think there's any sort of real wagering on this game though. It not a strong. I'm not. Feeling. Not t- not. The line doesn't make sense. I am not touching it. Yeah, it stinks. It stinks. All right, moving on. Same time, 3.30 on ESPN, the big one. The Florida State Seminoles, a 17.5-point favorite uh, uh, underdog on the road in Chapel Hill. (laughs) Favorite? Decidedly not favored against basically anybody by 17.5 at this point. Florida State's a 17.5-point underdog on the road in Chapel Hill taking on the North Carolina Tar Heels. Total is 64.5. Mike, I think I want the Tar Heels here. Yep. And did you want me to elaborate or I, that? Well, I mean, feel like the people need you to elaborate. But if not, we can, you know, we can just move on. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think the people have seen enough of Florida State where I shouldn't have to elaborate. I mean, <laughs> Carolina, Carolina hasn't been great, but they're better in Florida State. My God, haven't I, been that bad. I, I will say this: I think we need to keep a little bit of an eye on Florida State. 
uh, sorry, on North Carolina in the sense that they seem kind of like a team that isn't going to play a lot of close games. Like they're going to, they're going to play a lot of teams that either they are like their style and their game plan is just going to, you know, whip some ass. And there's going to be other teams they play that are just going to straight up whip their ass. And I don't think there's a whole lot of in between. It's like a, it's a total styles make fights thing. I think down the stretch here, I just don't think Florida State has the goods at all to keep up in this no. game, and I think North Carolina no. is going to put up a number and just run away from them early. I, yeah, I agree. Now let me ask you a question here. Now that we are recording, that I asked you before the podcast began, mm-hmm. would you take Florida State or Duke on a neutral field? Florida State or Duke on a neutral field. And if it's not like a slam dunk answer either direction, you're kind of proving my point anyway. Like there, like there are kids in the car. We can't be talking about Florida State playing against Duke in front of. Oh, this is a family show, anyways. Um, point being, I don't know. Point being, you don't know. I mean, you don't know, right? Yeah. So, point being, we saw what Carolina just did to Duke. You did, yeah. And that got ugly quick. Yeah. I mean, Duke hung around for a quarter, and then it was kind of boat race city after that. I mean, Carolina is definitely capable of putting up like 30 points and a half here. Yeah. And it, it, like, if at that point, if they're only up 31 to nothing, like, that's maybe the point where they take their foot off the gas. Like, right. I, I, last week, and, and to be fair, again, that Duke game is a rivalry game. So maybe you take a couple extra little liberties there, but like, I, I, I might actually take Duke straight up on a neutral field against Florida State right now. And and North Carolina just beat that ass last week. So Yeah. So that's why you, you take North Carolina here. Uh minus seventeen and a half. I'm gonna put twenty Van Gore coin on it. And look, the way I look the way I look at this is just like Carolina, like even if they get out to a big lead, right? And you mentioned, yeah, maybe they take the foot off the gas. Also, maybe they won't because this is also a recruiting game here. Mm-hmm. Like Carolina has been going, Carolina has been doing pretty well in state, but you know, they like to take some guys from Florida as well. The state of Florida, they like to take some of Florida state's prize recruits as we've seen with Sam Howell, for example. Uh, yeah, maybe they take the foot off the gas. They probably won't though. Yeah. There's there's one matchup in this game, Mike, that that gives me quite a bit of pause, and it's I, I think honestly the best thing about Florida State that we've seen this year has been their defensive line. Like they yes. they can get after the passer, they can they can cause chaos in the run game. They're going up against a North Carolina offensive line that is less than bad. impressive. Yeah, bad. Yeah, that's a good they're word bad. for it. bad. Yeah, they're bad. And so that's the thing that concerns me is if they can get after Sam Howell in the way that Georgia Tech did a couple weeks ago, that's that's going to be a problem for North Carolina's offense. Um, they've also struggled to run the ball at times. Then again, I mean, I I kind of thought Duke's defensive front was going to be pretty good, so I'm surprised that that didn't come to fruition last week. So I right. That's the thing that makes me nervous, but I think that North Carolina overall is a more complete team. And for all their defensive issues, I think they're good enough to really just kind of hold down Florida State's offense. So I'm with you. Give me 15 Van Gorder coin on North Carolina to cover 17 and a half. I thought about locking it up. I don't think I'm going to do it. 
Um, but 15 Van Gorder coin on North Carolina to cover. Total is 64 and a half. I guess give me the under. I don't think this gets too high scoring. I don't think North Carolina. I don't think Florida State is going to help very much scoring wise here. I'm gonna go over because Carolina's defense has just kind of been okay. That's it. They're not like great. I think we expect them to be better than they are now. Florida State's offense isn't very good either, but Jayshon Corbin's been good mm-hmm. at, at running back and. Carolina's not exactly stopping the run at will, so maybe that's a way to score. We're getting very close to having the weekly scheduled Jayshon Corbin 70-plus yard touchdown run. Right. Uh, it seems to be like a – like it's in the game plan. It's like, when are we going to break out the touchdown play with him from uh, deep in our own end of the field? It's like, when is it yeah. going to be time? Usually in the third quarter. In a, in a losing effort. <laughs> yeah. He's going to carry the ball 12 more times during the game for a grand total of like nine yards, but stats are going to look good because he had that one seventy-five yard touchdown run. So, right. That's right. So there you go. All right. Carolina and the under for me, Carolina and the over for you. I've got 15 Van Gorder coin on Carolina. You've got 20 on Carolina. Uh, Mike, that's all we got for true cannon ACC action, but Mike brother, we got one more game here and I need to know, what how how do you feel what and when was the last time that you thought yeah we should really really talk about bowling green as a 14 and a half point favorite against a conference opponent man the uh opposing team must be pretty bad huh they must be at noon on espn plus this is literally oh, pay-per-view yeah. the Akron Zips on the road taking on the Bowling Green Falcons. Falcons are a 14 and a half point favorite at home. Total is 46. And Mike, the most important thing here, I think, in this whole thing, Bowling Green is currently, I kid you not, they are the last team in the country of all 130 in the FBS. They are the last one that is undefeated against the spread this year. They are 5 and 0. Just astounding. Incredible. And if you need another stat on top of that, Bowling Green has covered the last seven spreads in which they are the favorite. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Give me the Falcons, Joey. Give me the Falcons. Take the Falcons. And the under, probably. The under, also. Uh, Yeah, I'm not not recording totals on the sheet for this game. Okay, well, Um, I'm on the under 46. Unders in the 40s, you know the rest. That's right. That's right. That's another. Yeah, if you know, you know. Uh, Akron has been really kind of dreadful this year. Um, They lost by 50 to Auburn. They lost by 21 to Temple. They lost by 52 to Ohio State. And then they lost by 17 to Ohio. Their only win was against FCS Bryant. I I wasn't aware that that was a, a thing. No. So yeah, uh, Akron's real bad, and it's it's really concerning. It is kind of funny though because you look at the the trending for this this game and the spread. This opened with Bowling Green as like a touchdown favorite, and almost immediately got bet up to a two touchdown favorite. Oh yeah, Vegas books were shook with all this money coming in on Bowling Green <laughs> there in the first hour or so after lines were released. Amazing. That's when you know. Hey. Let's go Falcons. Bowling Green, official team of the ACC. 
All right, Mike, that's all that we got for, the, for this week. Again, only five games involving ACC teams and then, of course, our honorary ACC team. Uh, to recap, uh, I have locked up the under 47 in Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, as did you. We both have 20 Van Gorder coin on that. You also locked up the under 60 and a half for Georgia Tech and Duke, and you have 20 Van Gorder coin on that. Uh, we both have Van Gorder coin on Louisville to cover two and a half against Virginia. I've got 15, you've got 10. And then we both have Van Gorder coin on North Carolina to cover against Florida State, covering 17 and a half. I've got 15, you've got 20. Um, so those are the, the games that we feel str- most strongly against this weekend. Mike, have you taken a moment to look at other games you might be interested in getting invested on, or should we do some other things so we can kind of do that in the in the background? I have a couple. Okay. I have a couple. Temple is a 29-point underdog on the road at Cincinnati. And before we talk about, uh, yes, coming off of a win in South Bend against Notre Dame in a letdown spot, Cincinnati is a 29-point favorite against Temple. And before we, all start, before we all start dunking on Temple, Temple just beat Memphis last Saturday. And maybe they're not quite as objectively terrible as we thought. 30? I mean... Okay. I, I mean... <laughs> by 30? After beating Notre Dame? Biggest win in program history, maybe. It's, it's your life. Bet on whichever teams you want to, Mike. Like, I... I realize it's 29 and a half and I realize Cincinnati's in a letdown spot, but Temple has been a mess this year. Like it, I, 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 I encourage you, I encourage you to do this and I will be rooting for you. I just, I want no part of getting involved with Temple at all. I want to see if I could convince you now for a game. I actually really like Tennessee minus 10 and a half at home against South Carolina. Yo, South Carolina is a mess. All right. Like, I don't want to, you can, yeah, like you, you can miss me with uh, South Carolina is a little bit better than we thought under Shane. No, they're not. They're, they're definitely not. They needed a late score to cover against Troy last Saturday. Troy is kind of up and down. They got a coach on the hot seat. Yeah, miss me with that. Tennessee's found something with Ended Hooker. Like he was 14 of 18 for like a million yards. Tennessee scored 60 something odd points on Missouri last weekend. They had like 450 yards rushing. They're going to cover 10 and a half against South Carolina. I really like Tennessee there. Wearing the black jerseys, by the way. Yes, wearing the black jerseys, which I don't know how I feel about that, really. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool to do that in October. It's way cooler to do that at the end of October than in the beginning of October. Yes, agree. So, agree. whatever. Um, um, I, I think I like... I, I'm I'm a little tentative on this, but I think I like Houston minus six and a half on the road at Tulane on Thursday night. Um, Tulane's bad. Tulane, yeah, was, like they gave Oklahoma hell that first week, but sneaky, not that great. Houston, that's sneaky, about it. Pretty good. Yep. So kind of like that inside of a touchdown. Also on Thursday night, I really don't mind the Coastal Carolina shots uh, minus twenty against Arkansas State. Arkansas State low key kind of sucks. Yeah, Grayson McCall's healthy, so he's going to play. I mean, healthy enough to play anyway, so that's good news. Yep, yep. Um, otherwise, do you have other things on your mind, Mike? Oh, I love Bama on the road at Texas A&M. Yeah, I'm 17 already in and a half. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, bet, I've bet against Bama once this year, 
and it was the opener with Miami. Mm -hmm. And I will not make that same mistake again. I actually bet on Alabama. The only other time I was thinking about betting against Alabama was the Florida game, ironically, which was not looking very good in the first quarter. And then Florida kind of made it really competitive. And I lost that bet betting on Alabama. Zach Calzada is really bad. A&M's quarterback, really bad. They can't move the ball like to save their lives. Cannot. Cannot. So I'm on I'm on Bama there. Bama minus anything on the road at AM. AM's a mess on offense. So mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite spreads of the weekend. And then I could I'm probably gonna stay away from this game. I just feel like talking about it just for a second. Nebraska is at home as a three and a half point dog against Michigan. Nebraska's been like sneaky okay. Mm-hmm. They've been sneaky okay. I know everybody wanted to dunk on Scott Frost. I was right there with everybody else after the Illinois loss in week zero. I was right there with everybody. But Nebraska's been – they've lost a couple of close games. This could be another close game that they lose, who's to say. But Nebraska's been okay. I couldn't see them – absolutely see them pulling off an upset against Michigan at home. That might be a, a sneaky home dog pick if you're into that. I'm probably not going to bet it, but might be something to look at. Yeah, Nebraska was definitely a team that everyone kind of left for dead there uh, coming off the the Illinois loss. And ever since then, like, they've actually been (laughs) sneaky pretty good. Um, So, you know, chalk that up to week zero nonsense or or whatever. But Nebraska not not been playing poorly, to be sure. Defensively especially, they've been really pretty good. Um, And and Michigan's offense not like some high-flying – anything special uh to be sure so right there's that i i don't hate texas getting three and a half in uh in red river i probably don't either yeah i oklahoma's been really pretty unimpressive to me and and they they did a couple things last week against kansas state to get right and so that might carry over who's to say but texas also other than that arkansas loss has really looked pretty good this year yep and and just with the way that that game has gone in the past and such, I, I think they might be able to pull that off uh, outright. They're plus one forty on the money line, which is not bad odds for a team that's only like a three and a half point dog. So no, so keep an eye on that. Um, I'm with you. I'm also I, I got invested earlier on in Alabama minus seventeen and a half. Uh, it's up to eighteen and a half. I, that's fine. Sure, inside of I don't know twenty four. Like yeah, like AM's defense has been pretty good but they're just getting absolutely nothing out of their offense no no i mean it took them the entire game against colorado after haynes king went out to score like it 10 did points. it did yeah it did that was that was ugly and, and colorado's defense is fine but they're not like that good yeah <laughs> you know what I mean? yep. they're not that yeah. good and i think bama in this game could kind of cruise and just like slowly beat AM as AM's defense is just on the field the entire second half. But like that's how I could see this thing covering. Yep. Like maybe AM uglies it up, tries to keep it close, and then they just don't have an offense. So it just goes downhill quick. Yeah. Total's 51 there. I don't hate the under. Um, feels like Bama's going to do most of the scoring there. Yeah. Yeah. They could get to 51 by themselves, maybe. Speaking of unders, Arkansas Ole Miss under 66 and a half. It's kind of a high total for a game that I think Arkansas and Barry Odom and that defense are going to be able to, you know, they'll be able to keep that thing under control, I think. I don't think they're going to let Ole Miss get out and just start scoring a million points. 
plus Agree, Ole Miss coming and, off the Alabama game, which doesn't really help anybody. Yeah, and Arkansas can't really throw either. Yeah, right. Exactly. KJ Jefferson's so. been, been pretty beat up for them, so um, I, I don't. I'm not optimistic there. Penn State, Iowa, Mike. If you if you want to have a brutal game watching experience, you could take under 41 points in that game. <laughs> yes, that's an option. Yep. That is an option. That's certainly an option. Like first one to twenty wins. Oh, um, and, and maybe Penn State plus one and a half if I had to take anything there. But I, I don't feel yeah, like about that. I, I'll leave that alone. Yeah, like I think Penn State is the more balanced team, but a mid afternoon game at Kinnick is, yeah, it's a little bit better spot than a night game at Kinnick, but eh. yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. So. Uh, all to say, those those are some of the other things that we're interested in this weekend from a, a college football numbers perspective. And once again, all those all those spreads, totals, everything else brought to you by BetUS.com. Use promo code GOACC for a 125% bonus on the first deposit of $100. So go check that out there. Uh, Mike, you got a couple minutes here for a couple of listener questions. Oh, yeah. We had a couple of them come in uh, from a good friend, Alex Zakar. Uh, who can be found on Twitter at not Alex Sikar, which can be very confusing for a lot of people I could see. Um, but uh, shout out to Alex. He said he's a, he's started listening again here uh, recently, so we really appreciate the support. A couple of questions. Number one, over under two and a half ACC coaches being outright fired by the end of the calendar year 2021, and who are they? Yeah, we mentioned this. Uh, over. Mm-hmm. Manny Diaz. Yep. Is definitely one. I'd be shocked. I mean, some people are saying that Diaz could stick around. Like other national podcasts are like, maybe the buyout number's too big. I don't know. And like, it's pretty bad. I think it's as much as I appreciate consistency, as I said before, I think it's a bigger concern to Miami fans if he does stick around because it tells you something about how that administration feels about football and the importance they place on it. Right. I think if I'm picking three, if I'm going to say over two and a half, I'm picking three. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Diaz, Fuente, Babers. I I, I was thinking the same on Diaz and Fuente. It's firing, outright firing, right? Yeah. We're not talking retire. We're not talking. And I think, by the way, I think I think Babers is coaching well enough right now to to stick around. I don't I don't think I, I don't think you fire him based on what we've seen so far. Right, right. No, and, th- and that was my thought, was that I-, I think the progress you're seeing this year from Syracuse over last year and year before like is is reason to maybe consider keeping Babers around. I-, I think Fuente and Diaz are the two that really stick out to me as like something needs to change. I, I-, I think there's still a shot, uh, like an outside shot at somehow, some way, a, uh, a Mike Norvell firing at Florida State. I really man. don't think they will, but that's on the table. Man. man, oh man, that would be something. If things really went south for the rest of the year at Louisville, I think Satterfield is on the table. Yep. Um, I think Narduzzi's off the table at this point. I really, really don't see North Carolina firing Mac Brown. Yeah, so actually, though, if you're, if you're putting odds at two and a half of how many are outright fired... I might take the under. I might I, take the under too. 
now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, there's there's more jobs that very well could turn over for one reason or another, but I, I don't hate under two and a half firings outright. Yeah, I mean, because even in Fuente's case, all it would probably take for Fuente to not get fired, given what Tech's done so far this year, would be beating Notre Dame in a pick in lane and then beating Pittsburgh the following week. Because then how are you firing him after that? You're at – at that point, you're 5-1. and one. I mean, you would have to lose to what? Georgia Tech, Duke, and Syracuse <laughs> to get fired? Like, how are they – like, if you, win, if you win the next two, like, show me the path to him getting fired. Yeah. It would be having yeah. – it would be losing those three, right? I don't know. I mean, how many so, of those would you uh, really put past – Virginia Tech, though, for what that's oh, worth. No, I mean, zero. I mean, they're week to week. They're like everybody else. Zero. Zero. And I don't think Virginia Tech's winning the next two either. I already picked against them tonight on this podcast. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think they're winning the next mm-hmm. two anyway. Yep. Number two, what is the AC, or sorry, the AAC, SEC, Big 12 conference realignment mean for the future non conference ACC play? Did the ACC rightfully sit out on realignment? Maybe a, maybe a little bit in terms of some of those out-of-conference matchups, but I don't know that it necessarily means a ton for them, starting there. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that any of this... I don't think any of this realignment... I mean, as far as what we're going to say, future non-conference scheduling and, like, how does it affect the ACC, I think it's a little too early to tell. Now, as far as the second part of the question, as as far as did they did the ACC rightfully sit out? I mean, I don't think the ACC was going to get involved unless they lost a team. No, you know, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the reason why movement was prompted here is because the SEC effectively poached Oklahoma and Texas. And then the Big 12 went to the AAC and said, yeah, we'll take, we'll take UCF and Houston and Cincinnati. And then they got BYU and independent school. You know? Yeah, you, it's you, like, you're right. promoting schools that were below your status previously. Right, that you didn't take on the last time realignment was a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So I don't think the ACC was going to make a move unless they lost the school. I mean, I think the ACC... It's pretty happy where things sit. You know, I think they'd like Notre Dame to join at some point as a football member. But, you know, outside of that, I think the only way the ACC was going to get involved is if a team left, which we mentioned, I, I want to say like July or August, Joey, we recorded, uh, I, I guess it was August when the initial realignment was happening where Texas and Oklahoma said, yeah, we're out of here. We're, we're heading to the SEC. You and I recorded a podcast and said, okay, how does this affect the ACC? And one of the things we said was, well, I mean, if the super conference happens in the SEC and they go after a Clemson or a Florida State or a Miami, then the ACC is going to have to make some moves. But even at that time, you and I didn't see that happening unless, unless the team was leaving the conference, which obviously hasn't happened. Right. Well, and, and think back to the, the, the previous round of realignment. The ACC added Louisville, Pittsburgh, and Syracuse and lost Maryland uh, right. as the Big Ten also added Rutgers. So 
again, Rutgers, Louisville, Syracuse, Pittsburgh were all Big East teams, which was the Big East at the time was basically considered like the sixth major conference. They were the only other one aside from the current Power Five that had a tie-in with BC, you know, like BCS automatic qualifying. Uh, right. And so from that standpoint what you're looking at now is the ACC either trying to poach a team from one of the other power five conferences, or you're promoting someone from kind of quote unquote below you. And at that point, what value in, in terms of average value per team or per school in the conference, you're, you're diluting it. Right. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. So I think, honestly, I think the ACC was probably right to be sitting out on realignment here unless and as question 2A here, will we ever see a full Notre Dame transition into the ACC for football? Maybe. Um, I don't know. I I, I kind of think so, but Notre Dame seems to have this real, like, weird affinity for staying independent for whatever reason. And yeah, it probably doesn't hurt the ACC that they've also uh, kind of punted on the uh, playoff updates for now. Because the because Notre Dame was going to be in a pretty good spot being able to qualify almost every year as an independent, right. so you know we'll we'll see how that I, I think that plays in quite a bit. Um, I, I think the ACC is better if they bring in Notre Dame, and then if it's your choice of do you want to bring in a sixteenth team to make an even, you know, two divisions of eight or four right. pods of four, and at that point you can go get I don't know West Virginia or something like that if if you could get them, which I think you maybe could, but. That, that's my only thought there on, on realignment. I think it's Notre Dame or nothing, and then if it's Notre Dame, then maybe get, like, West Virginia, if anything. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Notre Dame and West Virginia make the most sense. So, yep. I mean, does Notre Dame join the ACC? I think a lot of it depends on what happens with the playoff. Um, the playoff proposal, like you mentioned, Notre Dame was sitting pretty. That's kind of been tabled at this point. Uh, because of the ongoing realignment talks. So, I mean, I think the, the easy answer is Notre Dame's going to stay independent as long as possible mm-hmm. until their hand is kind of forced to join a conference. So I wouldn't expect it anytime soon. Yep, yep. Uh, and then lastly, Alex asks, the comment about Jeff Collins not winning any consecutive games at Georgia Tech is striking. Also, I've noticed that Georgia Tech has not beaten a single team twice since Jeff Collins took over, though... Mike, with an opportunity this weekend. Would that be just as damning for Georgia Tech as the bit about consecutive wins, the fact they haven't beaten anybody twice? Um, Kind of. I hadn't thought about that, but that's a good point. Yeah. Um, I think on some level I, I'd, I'd almost rather see two wins in a row, but it's, it's funny because if you look at it, Mike, the eight games that they've won under Collins, who do they play the next week? Pittsburgh last weekend was probably the second worst team that they've played. Like it's been like yeah. ranked UCF, ranked Clemson, ranked Georgia, like yeah, none of them that they were remotely expected to be competitive in, much less to win. So in that sense, I'd almost say yeah, not beating Duke or or somebody twice is probably more damning. Yeah, but then there's also the element of Year one was a rebuild. Year two was COVID. And the rest you can chalk up to coastal chaos. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, I I think we get into year four, year five, and there's still a number of teams that are kind of at Georgia Tech's level 
relatively speaking, that they haven't beaten twice, then it's more damning, mm-hmm. I think. And year yeah. three is probably a little bit early. I mean, but that's that's a really interesting question. I hadn't thought of it that way. I, I hadn't either. I thought that was a great question, and and that whole that just that fact hadn't been pointed out to me. So it's yeah, it's a very good point. So that's up there with the. Uh, I mean, generally uh, not not as long a timeline, but that's up there with a wild stat compared comparable to the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh not winning all four non conference games since like ninety one or whatever it was. Yeah, things that you almost wouldn't believe uh, if. You know, if if you looked them up, you'd find they're true. But you almost wouldn't believe if you just heard it off off offhand. Um, so, anyways, uh, Mike, that's all we got in terms of listener questions. So, shout out to Alex Dakar. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the questions. Uh, really enjoyed, and hopefully that was some good discussion for the people. Yep, Mike, that's all I got on this week six preview. Anything else before we uh, get out of here? I think we're good. Got a big weekend. I am heading to Blacksburg. At a boy for Virginia Tech Notre Dame. So. It'll be a big tailgating weekend for me. If you're looking for Mike in the stands, he's the guy wearing a Virginia Tech jersey and a Notre Dame hat. Or none of either, as <laughs> I will be doing media after the game. So He'll be the guy sitting in the press box wearing a Virginia Tech jersey and a Notre Dame hat. Like so. Yes, yes, <laughs> which always, always pleases the actual media counterparts who do this as a full-time job. There you go, there you go. We take it way too seriously, of course. <laughs> well, Mike, safe travels. I will be actually, uh, I'm getting on a plane here in less than 24 hours. We are heading to Chattanooga, Tennessee for a wedding this weekend. Uh, so so we'll, we'll be traveling as well. But, you know, for the most part, trying to keep an eye on the games and, and keeping, keeping up with how things are going. So uh, we, we should be back in plenty of time and, and able to uh, record on our normally normal schedule on Sunday evening. So, this you know the, the the week six recap pod should be up in your feed at normal times Monday morning despite our travels, but yep. hope you'll wish us safe travels and uh, you know we'll we'll try to keep you updated on social media if anything changes. Yeah, for sure. So, Mike, let's work on getting out of here. Uh, we are going to go watch some games. We're going to travel. We're going to do some things, and we're going to come back and recap them. In the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel SOS. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can also send us an email to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Yeah, questions, comments, concerns. Questions such as those asked by Alex Zikar. Zikar? Zikar? At not Let Alex Zikar? Yeah, who knows? Let us know. We did our best. We did. We, did. we tried. Um, yeah, send that all to that email address. Uh, Mike, they can also find us on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you go find your podcasts. Uh, go hit the follow button, the subscribe button, all those things that YouTubers tell you to do. Uh, please do that for our podcast. Uh, yes, you want to please. Tell them, you want to tell them where they can find us on social medias? Facebook. Facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Check us out on Instagram as well at BC Podcast ACC. Please do. Do it for the gram, Mike. Do it for the gram. For the gram. Mike, that's all I got. You want to go watch some games and uh, travel just a little bit? just love the gram. <laughs> Sorry. You, you wouldn't know we love the gram by, on the volume that we post. <laughs> on, but, you know, who's to say? Yeah, who's to say? It's right. You want to go watch some games and come back and recap them? Yeah. Sorry to derail that. That's fine. Let's do it. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC.